Hello and welcome to the Evergreen Way podcast, where we explore how to be a healthy leader for the long haul. My name is Andy Needham and I get to serve on the team with Converge Northeast. And today I get to have a conversation with someone I have the joy of laboring alongside and working for with our team at Converge Northeast. Dr. Tim Ponzani joins the conversation. We had a wonderful conversation about some of the things that he has learned and gleaned in his many years of leadership and uh, really exactly what we talk about with the Evergreen Way, how to be healthy for the long haul. I want to remind you one last time, the time is short as we release this episode, but the Evergreen One Day is coming up June 21st, Avon, Connecticut, Evergreen One Day. This is a day for you, no matter the age or stage of your ministry, to invest in the soul of your leadership. This is going to be a small, intimate gathering where we can really press in, have conversation with one another, and with the incredible lineup of presenters that we have. You have uncommon access at this event to all the communicators, and it is going to be a truly special day that you do not want to miss. So don't delay any longer. We still do have space, but time is running short. Go to convergenortheast.org, convergenortheast.org, or jump on our social media and you can message us or you can click through the links on Converge Northeast Instagram or Facebook page. Well, this actually is the final episode of our first season of the Evergreen Way podcast. Thanks for jumping on the journey with us, whether this is the first time you're listening or if you've been tracking along with us through the journey. I know I have learned a lot from these interviews. I've hopefully become a better interviewer and I want to continue to improve in that. And we're going to be back with some more great content later this year. But thanks so much for journeying in. If, if you haven't, go back and listen to the episodes that we have. A lot of these are just so timeless and timely in terms of the soul of leadership. Well, right now, without any further ado, let's jump right into my conversation with my friend, my coworker, my boss, someone I get to do ministry here in the Northeast with, Dr. Tim Ponzani. Well, today we have a special guest, someone who I have the privilege of working alongside with Converge Northeast. He leads our, our regional ministry as our regional president. Tim Ponzani, thanks so much for being on here today. Great to be here, Andy. Thank you. Well, today um, we are going to get into a little bit of your story and some of the things that have helped form uh, who you are as a man of God and as a leader uh, for many churches. Um, could you kind of just back up and share a little bit about the context of ministry that you are serving in today? I know our Converge Northeast pastors will know you, but we have a broader audience than that. Yeah. Thanks, Andy. In fact, one thing I want to say is, you know, we work so closely together, we even coordinate our outfits. So uh, <laughs> I just want to say how much a privilege it is to work with Andy. He is a joy to walk alongside. And I think what God has done, he's really built our team in a very unique way. And I think one of the things I want to say before I get into the, the actual question is, is that it's great to have a team where you can rely on one another's giftings. And so we really feel like we are complementary in how we work together. So I just praise God for how he's formed our team for Converge Northeast. Amen. And so for those out there that aren't familiar with our ministry, really our ministry is to come alongside, or I like to say underneath the local church leadership. And, and we've enjoy working certainly with those within the Converge Northeast network. But we also have the opportunity because New England really is a small geographic area and the body of Christ is so connected here that we have an opportunity to work alongside other leaders who I say are not yet 
part of the Converge movement. And, and so we really want to help leaders and churches advance the gospel in this region. Absolutely. It's a, a joy to do that together. And um, I can't say enough about um, the growing team and, and the leadership that you've brought and, and being a part of this movement for a long time has been been a joy. I want to I want to back up, though. Um, you you have been in New England and doing ministry here for I would say for a long time, that makes you sound old. You're not that old, but uh, you've been doing <laughs> ministry in this region for a while, but you're not from New England originally. And uh, maybe you could share a little bit of your background and story. Yeah, it, it is a, a little bit of a circuitous background, particularly ending up in ministry. But I grew up in a little coal mining town in eastern Ohio, and uh, it was a town of about 5,000 people. Now, the interesting thing is, is I say this story today, is we, we had five evangelical churches in a town of 5,000 people. And so hold that thought in your mind as you think about the need that we have here in the Northeast. Uh, went off to college and uh, uh, really for the first time was discipled. And I ended up being discipled by a group that many of us are familiar with, uh, Campus Crusade, now called Crew, and and really met a discipler who, who was it took an interest in me and began to pour into me. Uh, in fact, recently we got reconnected. He works at the crew headquarters now. Uh, but my upbringing is rather interesting. So all four of my grandparents immigrated from Italy. And uh, we attended Italian-speaking churches until I was about the age of eight or nine. And so I'd go to church and hear a service uh, completely in Italian. Uh, and then my parents decided to go to a non-Italian church, a Methodist church, because they had a better youth group. My brother was in high school at the time, and they felt like it would be better for us as kids to connect uh, if we went to a larger church that had a youth group. And so already that began kind of my journey from, from really what were, were Italian Pentecostal churches into more mainstream evangelicalism. And, and really that began my journey as he, then I came to go to Gordon-Conwell in the Northeast and Gordon Conwell at that time was was pretty distinctly reformed in its theology. And so I've had this kind of interesting background of experiences and theological traditions that really kind of helped shape where I am today. Hmm. Well, that's a, a great asset in a role like ours, too, because maybe our tent is not quite as broad as those experiences, but we do get to serve churches that have, you know, within Converge that have different um, conv core convictions on a few things. Uh, but I want to think a little bit today about how that you, you kind of already mentioned this, but how has that formed um, your spiritual life, your spiritual practice, your life with God? Um, and what are the things that kind of have you've kind of taken as the wheat and the chaff from those different environments um, and expressions of the kingdom of God? That's a great question, Andy. And I think some of my earlier experiences, and I think as I look at the, the Italian Pentecostal tradition, one of the things I remember distinctly as a child were the incredible prayer times uh, I experienced as, whether it was in my grandparents' living room or in the local congregation, to just to hear the power of prayer. And sometimes I couldn't even understand all the words necessarily, but you could really feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and, and just the power uh, of prayer that, that was being lifted up. And, and in that context, many of the families that we associated with or were part of those, those, uh, those churches were very poor. And so, that, I think, uh, informed how people were praying because they didn't have a lot of material things, but they knew that they had riches 
when they could that, that rely on God's power to guide and direct them in their lives. And so, again, from an early experience, that that really kind of shaped what I think about prayer and and that that deep connection with God through the power of prayer. Then, as I fast forward to my experience in in college with Crew, it was really the first time that someone really walked intentionally with me, even looking at scripture, is is looking at a particular uh, passage of scripture, could be chapters of scripture, but then walking through that and, and really guiding and directing me and teaching how that should inform my daily walk. Uh, rather than it being an intellectual exercise, well, I, I know this story. I know, you know, the, the 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 message in terms of all the facts and the figures and all that about scripture. In crew, it helped me actually say, now how do I really apply that in my life? And I think that really began to to, to, to this journey uh, of exploration, really theological exploration, that that felt this call to ministry. And, and that resulted in my desire to come to Gordon-Conwell and really study more deeply uh, in terms of uh, potential call to ministry. At, at Conwell, um, obviously, there were some, some pretty good uh, life intersections <laughs> that happened, which we'll get yeah. into in just a moment there. But um, what did the, the actual formal education experience, like what were some things that really like um, God put together or connected. I'm sure you know some of, some of the academic journey is sort of the just grind of, of the experience. Of, yeah. uh, and then there's also t- there's moments obviously where God's just like connecting things and kind of revealing. Right. Uh, so are there some moments that, are, are, that you can think of in that space? Yeah, I think there are a couple. I think that one one was I had David Wells. Uh, uh, many students in my era, uh, a, a great theologian, and I just remember some of the interactions with uh, with Dr. Wells. And uh, now he wasn't the easiest uh, prof to work under and to write for particularly, but we had some great uh, uh, opportunities to connect because there was, there's one particular paper that I wrote and I won't go into the detail of that. That's really not the important thing, but, but that it's something that I wrote about uh, the Imago Dei, particularly with respect to us as, as uh, created, being created Mm -hmm. in the image of God that he actually commented very positively on my paper. And we had a chance to interact over that. I'm like, oh, wow, I, 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 I did good <laughs> with Dr. Wells. And, and so that's one experience. And then another, I think, experience that I had was uh, there was a professor by the name of Richard Loveless, who was a, a classic church historian. Uh, he was involved in the Lausanne movement. And, and I had a chance to sit under his leadership because he was not just a church historian, but he was also someone deeply rooted in in uh, spiritual formation, and and really he made church history come alive. And it was in, through that experience I began to understand the different streams and the different roots that our, our movements have in 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 the, particularly in the Orthodox Christian world. Uh, and I'm not speaking of Greek Orthodox; I'm really speaking of biblically Orthodox traditions, mm-hmm. helping me to understand. Uh, why certain Baptistic groups come from one part of the Reformation, others another, and even understanding uh, my own background of the, the Pentecostal movement mm-hmm. and where that came from. And so that really helped some of those, uh, the, the things that I, I just really began to question how all that came out of the Protestant Reformation. Yeah, that's a great, uh, great insight. And um, it's amazing how 
studying things like church history. Um, you know, we, we may be in an unprecedented era for our lifetime, but it also can be so formative for us to understand the different challenges that the church has endured as the bride of Christ, uh, through, yeah. through the era. So that's an amazing thing. You're, uh, as I kind of alluded to before, uh, you didn't just come out of, uh, Gordon Conwell with a degree. Uh, there was more to it than that. Uh, and God really eventually would root your family in the North shore through that experience. Yeah. So, uh, maybe you could t- uh, touch on that. Yeah, and one thing I'll say is, is as I share this story, uh, I I met my wife to be after I had her father as okay. a professor. Clear, and clarification. So, yes. uh, for many of you that don't know this, my my father in law is Ray Pendleton. He's a longtime professor of pastoral care and counseling at Gordon Conwell, and uh, a great man, really well rooted and founded, and really how to care for pastors, how to help pastors. Uh, walk with their their congregation members in all facets of life. And so I had have great respect for, for uh, Dr. Ray, as people call him, or Father Ray. Um, and in fact, I still meet with him, uh, not just as father-in-law, but I, I really seek his wisdom and his counsel. He's forgotten more about ministry than I'll ever remember. And so anyway, uh, a classmate of mine introduced uh, Sharon and I, uh, and we actually met on a blind date. And uh, this friend of mine encouraged me, hey, Tim, you need to you need to meet Ray Pendleton's daughter. And more so out of like getting him off my back, I said, well, just give me your number. In those days, we didn't have cell phones. We had a a regular phone. And uh, uh, so I I took her number and I finally decided to call her. The first time we talked on the phone, we ended up talking for about an hour, which was like, oh, wow, that that's really interesting. And we began to date, and it was actually a very quick courtship. Mm. And uh, uh, we we dated probably for I think three three and a half months, and I proposed. Wow! Now her father, being a very wise man, uh, said, "Well, I give you permission to marry my daughter, but you need to wait a year before you can get married." And and that was very wise because we really didn't know each other. And so in that year, we we got our premarital counseling. Uh, long story short, we did get married, 1989. Uh, we've now been married for over 33 years, uh, coming up on 34. We have uh, two adult children. Both our, our kids live in the Boston area. And uh, we've been incredibly blessed and uh, love, love Sharon dearly. That's my wife's name. And uh, deeply appreciate her mom and dad. They actually live close to us down here in central Connecticut. Yeah. And then, and in that era, if I'm not uh, mistaken, um, you know, you came out of, of seminary and you obviously had aspirations towards ministry, but God, you, you are, I think you were already employed and you kind of had, God had a little bit of a, again, circuitous path is sort of a theme in your story a little bit. So that that's right. also part of the ministry journey as well. Yeah. It, it, it's a great observation, Andy, because I think as, as oftentimes we, as Christians, we kind of have our plan yes, and we want to work our plan and we have these steps according to our plan. But as we we discover, God often has other things in mind. Uh, when, when I was in seminary, I needed to work to kind of pay my way through school. And then I ended up working for a, a small bank, North Shore of Boston, in their HR department. And found out I was actually pretty good at that. And then I loved it. I felt like, wow, this, this could be something I dig into. Um, and I ended up having a, a 10-year career in corporate HR. Uh, one uh, part of that was for a, a small bank, as I, I said. But then I ended up working for the retail chain Marshalls uh, for a number of years, 
before uh, making a transition back to uh, full-time ministry in the church. And um, I mean, obviously there were some sacrifices that would come along from working at a, a, a corporate job <laughs> at, at a high level to, you know, you get to work uh, at, you know, one of the larger churches in New England, but at the same time you're working in a church context. Um, yeah. You know, when you look back on those decisions and that process, uh, how did you process that, that opportunity and, and kind of say, say yes? Yeah, it's that's where a lot of faith comes in, and and it's funny because I I would I took out a spreadsheet. I remember when when we, we were, I was making this transition from the business world into into ministry full time, uh, there were financial implications to that, and I began to pull out my spreadsheet. But I, then I realized like wh- where where's my faith here? If I'm really following God's call, then He's going to take care of us. And then in fact, God has been incredibly faithful through. Uh, the, this journey, and I think that especially that transition, we we were just starting to have our kids, and and Sharon stopped working full time. So if you think from a human perspective, it was a monumentally stupid decision from a human perspective, but from an eternal perspective or kingdom perspective, I look back on this as the best decision that we ever made, and 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 I think God has honored that not really because of what I did, I just simply said yes to his call. And, and he has taken care of us uh, all through that. Yeah. I think that there's, um, you know, I, my experience of, of your leadership organizationally is, uh, you're a very systematic leader and very thoughtful and process oriented, which all those things echo characteristics of God. Like he's a God of order. And at the same time, he does invite us into moments. He, when we have the complexity of humanity, <laughs> we bring ourselves, yeah. we bring yeah. the, every church is a collection of humans. And then second, God does not uh, allow us to walk a journey with him without those moments. He's got to put those intersections in our life uh, where, yeah, we do have to count the cost, but at the same time, we have to recognize that he may be calling us uh, to a step of faith. And it's just a right. good, a really good uh, reminder um, in that space too. And, um, you know, one of the one of the things that as you have um, led devotionally in some of our board meetings and some of our staff gatherings, um, there's a couple I know in your own spiritual practice, um, some resources and tools, some of them more from the more liturgical traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I, I found that to be helpful to me, though I didn't grow up in that tradition. And so maybe you could talk a little bit about some of those things that you've, you know, some of it's you've garnered along the way of these different um, theological camps that you've sort of uh, walked through to end up where you are today. But how I want to think more in terms of your ongoing spiritual formation and practice, um, what does that look like? Yeah, again, a great question, Andy. Uh, so so thinking about devotional life, uh, one of the things that that has always been a challenge for me is, is how to uh, have a devotional life that's incredibly meaningful yet structured. Um, because in my early upbringing, it was pretty unfettered. It was it was just kind of generally kind of pray and read scripture, really no kind of form and substance. And so I kind of existed with that for, for many years. But as Andy, as you rightly pointed out, uh, I, I like structure. I like systems. And, and the, 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 the other part of my life is that my father-in-law, Ray, it, part of his journey is he, he made a movement from being a Baptist pastor to an Anglican priest. And in the Anglican tradition, there, there are very structured uh, parts of the day that there's morning, noon, and evening prayers. 
And uh, uh, we, we went on a vacation with, with Ray. We did family vacations for many years. And his practice would be to get up very early in the morning. Now, I'm talking like between four and five in the morning. And, and he would do his, his daily morning prayers. And on one vacation, he said, Tim, why don't you do this with me? I'm like, uh, you get up at like five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> okay. And so I agreed to do that. And, and it became a, this beautiful tradition that we began to do on our vacations together. But then I began to incorporate that into, into my daily walk. In fact, I use the Book of Common Prayer for my, my daily devotions. And I use them particularly morning and evening. I'm not as rigorous about the noonday, but there are times when I do it, particularly Holy Week, I'll do the full set of devotions. But it, 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 it brings this richness because there's a, in a disciplined way, it takes me through structured prayers, but then also it's a structured Bible reading plan because effectively with the lectionary, it takes you through uh, the greater part of scripture every year. And so it's a very systematic way of, of doing devotions. Now, I will say this, the danger of that is it become rote. And, and I think that especially I found that if I'm, I'm using it on my mobile device, which I have, um, I, it's easy for me to kind of just kind of whip through that. And so I actually have a... a, a now I need large print version. I actually have a book version, uh, a large book of the Book of Common Prayer, because then I'm, I'm actually physically looking up the scripture passages. I'm able to dwell. I'm not just able to, to check that box off, which is a danger, I think, in any time we do our devotions. Uh, so, Andy, I think this has really helped bring some richness uh, into my my daily devotional life. Mm. That's that's great. I mean, I, I... I appreciate um, obviously both the um, the tool that you're using, but also the the distinction of um, you know if we you know you and I both love working out and we we take time. And you were just showing me the other day your super shoes with the carbon. <laughs> uh, you know you, now you're uh, running faster than ever. I guess I don't know, but um, you know when we take something seriously, we we don't just think about the practice. We also think about the tools that we're going to mm-hmm. use for that practice and even the form that they'll take. And, um, I think with our, our spiritual life, um, you know, for me, I found this one particular notebook that's spiral bound leather in the right size. And I bought every single one at target. I can, every time they're in stock and target, I stock up on them because that for me is like one of the things I, I like having a physical journal to be able to write in. And, um, I think, you know, I, I love tools like you version and other, I mean, the fact that we have these resources are great. And if that works for you, like this, this, that's not a judgment, but to be really thoughtful about the tools that we're using because that the medium does have an impact on our spiritual practice. And so yep. that's yep. just a really good, the other thing I, I love um, you, you know, you snuck in a really beautiful discipleship principle. I love Ray's question to you, which is why don't you do this with me? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. exactly. Yeah. That is a beautiful um, thing for one. He modeled, right. So it was not like he was, but he also, there was an invitational opportunity to say, and, and in an environment like a vacation where it's like, Hey, you can try this. And if it doesn't work for you, we're not saying you have to do this for the rest of your life, but yeah. um, that's a really, that line right there is one that, you know, that's the way Jesus led and disciple people. Why don't you do this with me? Um, yeah. That's a really, really good. And, um, and, yeah. and of course, for those of you that know my father-in-law, Ray, he says it in such a way that of course you're going to do it with him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, we're sure it's rhetorical. I would say, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, there's a gravitas there that, uh, yeah. you know, you'd, you'd be a fool to say no, I guess, in, in, in many ways as well. Um, that's great. Um, 
what other are there any other things? I mean, we mentioned one just to make sure that we're taking care of our bodies, and uh, but are there other things uh, for you in terms of your rhythm? Um, whether you know, one thing I just want to um, say that Tim has modeled really well in our region is you know you still continue to fellowship at the church that you previously served at. Um, you did take a time to kind of allow there to be a kind of a buffer period of transition yeah. to allow the new leadership to to be able to thrive. Um, but you've made, you know, you continue to practice that, but are there any other things, maybe you can speak to that or other things that are kind of part of the ecosystem of your spiritual life? Yeah. Yeah. I think of, in terms of whole, whole health, right. And so we want to think about emotional health, spiritual health, physical health, uh, psychological health, and, and all of those are in balance. I think especially now, as we think of our, well, the, this post COVID world that we live in, uh, many of us went through this 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 thing during COVID, where, whether it was isolation, uh, uh, disconnection from the normal routines that we relied upon, and and you know the the, the benefit I had was I, I I transitioned into this role in 2019, and and had really one year to kind of learn what is this all about before COVID hit, and I really look at that, and that was really God's I think God's grace and His mercy because. I have colleagues, we have colleagues across the country that did that a similar transition during COVID. And so if you can imagine trying to establish new relationships with leaders and churches, uh, I had I had full freedom to do that before COVID hit. And then and so that when COVID came, at least we had some of those relationships in place. But then post-COVID, uh, we're having to learn how to do this all over again, really, because things things have completely changed. But I think of myself, there was a period during the COVID, I was actually sitting in this office. And it's interesting because this office looks very different because it was an unfinished attic space at that point. And I was using a virtual background. But I remember sitting in this office thinking, wow, I, I, I'm, I'm not in a good place because I, I, I didn't have the team that I previously had in my former church, things were different and I felt completely isolated, even though I had my family in the house working here. But, but I really went through this period and I'd like, wait a minute, I need to change something up here. And, and so fortunately I had, uh, I reached out to some folks who, who could give me some help and kind of speak into my life about what I was going through. So that's one aspect is when you recognize you're not in a good place, get help. And, and that could be a couple different areas. Another area I recognized that I wasn't eating right. I was not putting good stuff into my body. I had started to gain weight. Uh, I wasn't exercising regularly. Uh, and, and so, and all of that began to inform where was I spiritually? Because at least I was still, you know, kind of doing my routine, but everything began to drag on that. And so one by one, I began to say, okay, I'm addressing the, the psychological, emotional health. I'm going to get started on the physical stuff. And so I, I began to walk every day. Sharon and I would like take middle of the day and just go out and walk. <clears throat> and that quickly moved into a run. And I got back into running again. Um, uh, still stayed committed to my routine and start in terms of my spiritual disciplines. And one thing I'll say now, now some may differ on this for me. Uh, if I'm studying to teach, if I'm studying to preach, I have to keep that separate 
than my my personal spiritual journey. Now, others may, may that may be different. I'm not prescribing one way or the other. I'm just saying for me because for me, I can also I can get into a study for a, a sermon or a Bible study and and say that's good enough. Well, for me, it really isn't because studying is one way of there. It's a, it's kind of a a means towards uh, uh, something that's output, whereas my personal devotions are really focused on on my communion with God and how I'm doing in my soul life. And so again, I really began to systematically look at each of those distinct areas of my life and say, okay, I need to improve. I'm, here's my plan to do it. So I think they're all in balance. Mm. You know, um, you kind of remind me of the idea of like, we kind of need to learn what our check engine lights are in our life. And some of us, you know, even with our cars, like we're just the check engine lights on and we're like, well, I'll just drive it until something rolls, you know, something breaks. Um, and, you know, check engine lights, you know, I have this one of our vehicles. I, I don't know if it's true of all the newer cars, uh, but sometimes the check engine light is just that the gas cap is loose and other times it's the transmission. And so like, but learning and having the practice when we have those moments where we rec- like we, you know, God through his spirit. Um, you know, brings conviction. I don't mean that that's necessarily something that is over sin, but an unhealthy practice or pattern, or just even, you know, things that are out of our control. Sometimes our emotional health is really out of our control, but when those check engine lights go off, like we do need to find out what is going on. And if we don't know how to service it ourselves, we need to get somebody else involved in the the process. Um, So that's just, you know, and one thing I appreciate for you is, um, you know, you mentioned coming into this new job and then the challenges of COVID, but it's not like this was your first ministry job either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is another principle there that like recalibration is like a perpetual ongoing reality. It's not a one, like we don't figure out, you know, I did figure out a lot of things in my thirties that I think will be keystone habits for me. But I also know that even the way that I work out or the way that I do certain things is going to change throughout the next decades of my ministry. And so that that's another just principle that I want to just call out that, that you're practicing right. well is it's, and it's going to, you know, now we have a larger team and we're even organizationally, but even individually, we're going to have to re continue that process of recalibration into health. So yeah. that's right. And, and I think what I'd say is the transition from my, my previous church position to converge Northeast, what I was used to is working with a large team. Uh, had people around me all the time, every day, people coming in and out of my office. With Conversion Northeast, even with a team, as you know, Andy, we're virtual. And so it's it's really work. We have to work hard to stay connected. And I think you and I have recently experienced that, hey, we have to re- you know, f- figure out new ways to re-engage. So I think it's constantly saying, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to connect with my team? But then in terms of the, the, the personal, you know, this is where we desperately need those one another's in our lives, whether it's our spouse or uh, other trusted, uh, mature followers of Christ who have permission to walk with us and speak with us. In fact, one of the things I did during COVID was I realized I needed more fellowship. And uh, I knew a, a, a group of, of friends had, were meeting as a small group. Now during COVID, it was all virtual. But I reached out to the leader of the group and I said, uh, would you mind if I just joined your group? And he graciously welcomed me into a group that had been meeting for a couple of years. I knew all the guys. And so we, we are, this is not this is not related in any way, shape, or form to my ministry in Converge Northeast. 
it's it's part of my life that one guy is a he's a, is a physician, another is a IT professional, another is a CFO of a large company, and so we come from all different walks of life. Yet we're meeting together uh, to share God's word together, to pray with one another, and most importantly to to spur one another on towards transformation in Jesus Christ. And the cool thing is, if you fast forward now, what, three years, we are actually talking about how do we multiply into others? And so how do we then begin to, to, to impart and disciple others that we come in connection with? Yeah, I mean, this has been a core principle that we've talked about with young leaders in Evergreen you know, Spiritual Friendship. But I think that that you know, for, for people, especially as you progress in leadership, to have people in your life that have no expectations of you. Uh, so you, you're not wearing your title. You, you're not, you don't have to be Tim, the regional president of right. Converged Northeast. And people that, I mean, they may, they, they care for you, they respect your character and they do respect your accomplishments, but they're not necessarily super impressed by who you are. Um, you know, those <laughs> yeah, are two they know things. The real <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, for you too, like being in other people who are in executive leadership or like, you know, at a certain phase of their career where it's just like, there's not a huge Delta between the type of responsibilities. Um, you know, you work terribly, you know, incredibly hard at your job and so do they, and, you know, so, um, those type of things are just important things to look for and finding those outside. Um, but it takes, it takes intentionality. I mean, oftentimes we get hung up. It's, you know, it sounds easy the way you said it to say, like, I invited myself in a lot of us get stuck there. You know, a lot yeah. of us get stuck with, and, uh, because we're afraid of just that awkwardness of, of getting through that. So, um, you know, I just want to celebrate that. So, you know, one of the things that you and I both get um, asked a lot, it's partially why we're having this conversation today. And I think we've tapped on a lot of the principles, but we often get asked as we look at the larger church of the Northeast. Um, and as we look, as we interact with leaders who are all different phases of their leadership journey, all different phases of styles and health of their churches. Um, what are some things that we see as principles and, and keystones? And obviously we would say one of those is be part of a network. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'll just put that one right out there. That's not a sales pitch. And, and I tell people all the time, even with Converge Northeast, because there are churches that don't fit for some theological right. nuance within Converge. I just tell people, if, if you don't fit with us, like we'll help you find somebody because I think every church needs to be a part of something larger and every leader needs that. Uh, and then our events are also open, even if you're not a converged church. But mm-hmm. are there other things that come to mind? This is a, a wordy question, but basically to, to narrow it down, what do you see as being sort of some of the fundamentals that help leaders ensure that they can pastor and lead for the long haul? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that it's really maintaining your your spiritual health. I think that's that's if I can underscore that. Now, what does that mean? That means that that you have you have those checkpoints as you, those markers in your life, you brought up Andy, that, that when, when you see yourself kind of going off track, uh, you can either, uh, you know, self-diagnose. Uh, it's actually, it's better though, when you have those one another. So I say this for a lot of the pastors and leaders, uh, please, I implore you have someone that knows you really, really well, that, that you've given permission to to speak into your life. That could be someone who is a what I call a spiritual mentor or a spiritual father or mother to you. Uh, someone who knows you really well that that can can just impart wisdom into your life. I actually have a couple guys like that. They're they're men in their 80s. When, well, now my father-in-law 90, but they have permission to speak into my life, and I meet with them occasionally to just bounce anything and everything off of them. 
And, and as pastors, oftentimes I see, even sometimes within our own network, that, that we try to go it alone. And, and I think that's, there's, a, there's a danger to that. And when we're trying to just uh, exist and do our ministry, and we need those relationships within the body of Christ. And what I say for our pastors, too, is that sometimes you, you need those relationships that, that they're not part of your ecosystem, mm. that, that someone who can be completely objective uh, and, and kind of see from afar and, and brings a perspective to you that you or even those within your, your church, church ecosystem may not have. And, and so I, I think it's also, you know, maintaining the physical disciplines, maintaining a lot of those things that we talked about. But I think for the long haul, it's, it's, it's making sure spiritually you're in a good place. The other thing I would say is, is find time for rest, mm. for Sabbath, and to have fun. Yes. You know, and well part said. of this is a message to Tim. Um, <laughs> as I said to someone the other day, work is my friend. I like more yeah. work. Yes. But I have to remember, and, 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 and Andy and I have, have an assistant that we, that's part of our term, uh, our team, and Ministry of Assistant, that, that she actually purposely uh, puts time in my calendar that there's nothing planned. Uh, no meeting, no nothing. And, and we have to work at that because, because to me, I'll just fill up the calendar because mm-hmm. I like work. Yeah. But I have to make sure, like I even put in my workouts into my calendar because that, that, that's that discipline. But I think it's maintaining, uh, you know, are you, are you taking time to rest, to, to really unplug? Because I think the way I know the way I'm wired and many men are wired this way, even when we're not at work, our brains at work. Mm. You know, we're continuing to think about and shape and mold. And so it's really saying, how do I truly unplug? And, and whatever that cadence looked like, I recommend uh, uh, many sabbaticals every once in a while. Now, if you've not had a sabbatical, this is lesson to me too. It, it's plan one, work with your board, work with your leadership on how do you find that regular rhythm of, of time that you're not just full all in to your ministry. The other thing is, as you think about your cadence, I really urge you to think about, are you leaving your best in the office? Uh, because oftentimes the way we work, and I lived this for a number of years, and my, fortunately, my wife had the courage to, to basically confront mm-hmm. me and say, hey, what? this is not good for us. And, 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 and because what I was doing, I was working in such a way that I was leaving my best in the office. So then I, when I walked in the door, with, with home life, with Sharon and the kids, I, I didn't have my best. And, and I know that that's sometimes that's going to happen, but that shouldn't be the majority of the time. Mm. And so what we want to be able to do as, as, uh, as family leaders is to make sure that, that we're able to separate the ministry from our personal life so that we save our best for our spouses and our children. Mm. Yeah, that's, I cannot say amen enough uh, to that reality. Um, we don't want to build great ministries and not have healthy families. It's, right. You know, that's we know that danger. And you know, a couple of things that have helped me in this space, and this is going to echo a lot of you said. Like, I think one of the myths that uh, for every leader, especially difficult to ministry, is the idea of balance. Mm-hmm. And I really, I love the word rhythm better um, because I think that there are there are going to be weeks of our year that we will be. The pendulum is going to have to swing that ministry will get our best. But if that pendulum never swings back the other way that our family gets our best, then we're not living uh, a healthy life. And so, and the other thing my wife reminds me of often is 
it's we often say, well, it's only a season. Well, it's only a season if it has an end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The season is not the the rest of your life. That's not a season. You know, there are seasons of ministry, but make sure that um and then you talked about this um, you know, people who can speak into your life. And um most ministry leaders are learners, especially those who are regularly preaching and have a bent towards the theological. Um, but there is a distinction and we see it even in scripture between somebody who's a learner and somebody who's teachable and the difference, you know, it's not just accumulation of knowledge, but a teachable in order to be teachable, you have to have a teacher. Right. And so the question I ask leaders often is who is teaching you and your answer cannot be amazon.com <laughs> and your Kindle. Uh, now that is a way to learn. And we have such a proliferation of podcasts, this one included. Um, but you know, none of these things replace relational formation. And that is such an important, yeah. important thing to do. Uh, I think that you also just remind me that I'll make sure that one of the questions I ask you is what is the last thing you cooked outside? Because uh, both of us, that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it's something boring. Uh, I think I did chicken on the grill. That's the last thing I did. Uh, but but Andy, as a so I have an outdoor pizza oven, my Italian heritage, yes. uh, a grill and a smoker. And so uh, Sharon and I love to cook and we love to entertain. And so... Uh, and, and, and we just love that as part of our, our, you know, just our living together, but also our ministry to other people is having mm-hmm. folks over for a meal. Well, you're an exceptional cook. I will say this. This is for all the listeners. This is free. But if Tim ever says, come over to my house for a meal, or if Tim ever says, this is my favorite restaurant, uh, put that <laughs> into your phone right away because I have learned uh, it, Tim is better than Yelp uh, on those type <laughs> of things for sure. So I appreciate that. I've been able to benefit from it in many ways. And uh, similarly, there's a sacred slowness to preparing a meal. You know, I think that that's a, mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, I just to echo that, like, um, in this season, there's the, you know, I'm in some studies right now. So there are days when, you know, I'm working until five ish and then having meal and then going back into the office to, to study. And, uh, my wife was like, well, would you want me to do more meal prep? And I was like, I didn't, if you want to do all the cleanup, actually the, the time preparing the meal is like, for me, like one of the most refreshing parts of my day. So don't take that away from me. So everybody's wired differently on that, but just, you know, pay attention to those, to those things in your own. Well, Andy, story. you know what, uh, that just tells me next time, next time we're together, we need to actually get in the kitchen and do, and, and do a meal. Yeah, Cause <laughs> I find good. it, I find it the same way. I find it relaxing and, and somewhat cathartic. Uh, mm. I, if I may, I would like to go back to, to back to a, uh, something regarding time off and flexibility. Uh, those of us in, in ministry, uh, I would say this is that that you know we have an opportunity, and I think particularly if you're in a position of leadership where you can you can make decisions. And I would encourage ministry leaders to say, be generous with with time. And if we think of how we compare ourselves to the marketplace. Uh, from a compensation standpoint, we can't compete. There, it's that, that's not what ministry is. Mm-hmm. But in ministry, in these rhythms that Andy talks about, we, we really want to be generous with, with, with our, our time. And I, I'd like to say with our team, we have the ability to do that because we recognize that there are, are rhythms that is from extreme busyness to, well, I'm not sure it's not like ever really busy, but we understand there are those times. But you know, for those of us in ministry, it, ministry doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. It, it's a continuous activity because as we're shepherding God's people, but be careful to, again, find those times to rest. But if you are in a, deci- a, a seat where you can affect a decision, uh, think about how you can be generous with time. 
Absolutely. And and I would just say, if you're on a board and you're listening to this today, if you are a leader in leadership at a church, um, this is a great place for you to be able to go to bat for, to be able to see your leaders thrive for the long haul. Yeah. Um, and it's very painful to go through transitions. You know, sometimes it's a good thing, but to be able to see leaders thrive for the long haul. And um, that's a good reason to give Conversion Northeast a call. We will walk alongside <laughs> you in, t- in evaluating. There are ways, and every organization is different, but there are ways to create systems and policies even that create um, great large um, guardrails for people mm-hmm. in those spaces. So, Tim, anything else that comes to mind as we've been talking? This has been a great conversation today. So, No, I would, I would just say is that for anyone who's listening, uh, Andy and I, uh, I, we make a great team and we'd be pleased to, to walk with you in whatever uh, ministry journey you have. So. Absolutely. Well, I'm looking forward to doing ministry for many years to come alongside you, Tim. And uh, thank you for sharing a lot of your wisdom. And it's always an encouragement to be able to spend some time and, and to be able to share some of your story today. So thanks so much. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Evergreen Way podcast. On behalf of our entire team at Converge Northeast, it is a privilege to bring you these conversations to help you be a healthy leader for the long haul. We would love to connect with you. Find us on Instagram at Converge Northeast and send us a message. That's an easy way to connect with us. Or you can send me an email directly, Andy at ConvergeNortheast.org. We'd love to know what you think of the podcast, ideas you might have, or even suggestions for potential guests in the future. Please remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you would, do us the favor, leave us a review. Let us know what you think and help other people discover this resource. Until next time, this is Andy Needham with Converge Northeast. Thanks so much for tuning in.